turn to that familiar passage here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. We'll stand for the reading of the Word of God. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we love you. We're thankful and grateful for this time together. Praise you for the love of God that you put in our hearts. Thank you for the saints of God that we're privileged to know. I pray that you'd help us to make us a blessing, Lord, to your people this morning. I pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, to express the mind of God. Be able, Lord Jesus, to edify the people of God. Father, I pray that you'd open our hearts to receive from the Lord this morning. I pray, God, that you would help us to draw nigh to the Lord. Feel the drawing of your spirit. Lord, accomplish your will and your purpose in this place this morning. We'll give you the glory and honor and praise. praise Jesus, worthy name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. I'd like to preach this morning for a few minutes on an appeal for divine government. In this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave his disciples this pattern of prayer that we've been dealing with this week. Every disciple was expected to be marked by a personal prayer life. Jesus encouraged his disciples to pray in secret and assured them in this sermon that your heavenly Father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward you openly. And Jesus taught them about prayer from the vantage point of a fruitful prayer life and from his knowledge of what petitions would produce positive results in the throne room of heaven. Jesus knew what kind of petitions would produce positive results in the throne room of heaven. And I've previously mentioned that the pattern of prayer that's given by Jesus here made the interest of God our priority. I spoke yesterday morning on the concern of the disciple of Jesus for the honor of the name of the Lord. We are to pray, hallowed be thy name. This petition about the name of the Lord takes precedence over all others. And as disciples of Christ, we are committed to promoting the honor of the name of the Lord throughout the whole earth. And our prayer for hallowing the name of the Lord, we mentioned last time, is modified by this phrase, in earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name in earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, the seraphims cry day and night, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And this morning, I want to focus on the petition, thy kingdom come. Now, I think it's important to recognize that this petition is also modified by this same phrase, in earth as it is in heaven. 
Thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying that the reign of Christ would extend over the whole earth, that every man on earth would be subject to the rule of Jesus Christ and that the government of God would overspread this globe. And I want you to know that this petition is going to be answered in God's time. We pray this prayer because another kingdom has been dominating earth since the fall of man in the garden. Paul declared in Ephesians chapter 2 that in time past we all walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We all walked according to the prince of the power of the air. He dominated our lives. And man in his original state lived under the benevolent government of God. But through man's sin, Satan gained the upper hand over man and over his posterity. But, you know, Satan is just a usurper on God's territory. His days are numbered. And our prayer reflects our confidence that the kingdom of God is going to triumph in the end. In the Lord's Prayer, the Christian petitions for a government of God, by God, and for God. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln defined our democracy in his Gettysburg Address as a government of the people, by the people, for the people. A democratic government is a reflection of the society being governed. When the government comes from the people, it's a reflection of the character of those people. And as our society defines deviancy down, that trend is reflected in our leaders. One of our recent presidents was a strong proponent of abortion, even willing to turn a blind eye to infanticide if a child survived an attempted abortion. He openly applauded the perversions of homosexuality and same-sex marriage. And another, though opposing abortion and appointing conservative justices, was loose with the truth, used gutter language, was living with his third wife, had been a promoter of gambling, had a playboy reputation, was vindictive, a slanderer, reviler, and a man given to covetousness. And some in the evangelical camp seem ready to nominate him for sainthood, but correct political positions does not a saint make. The man was a reflection of the society that promoted him to a position of power. When a society has lost its moral moorings, the leaders bring to their positions the morals of the society that produced them. The Christian 
is a person who lives in two very different worlds. He's a citizen of his country, but he's also a citizen of heaven. He's been commanded to pray for kings, for all that are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. In other words, we pray that our government will allow us to practice our faith without any interference from the government. At the same time, y'all, at the same time that we're praying for our leaders, we're also praying for replacement of our government. We are praying, our Father, thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. We recognize that regardless of how benevolent our government may be toward the people of God, that no human government will ever be free from prejudice, from injustice, and from conflict. The Christian prays for the earth to be ruled by the same administration that provides perfect order and harmony in heaven. All right? Hey, that's what we're praying for. We're praying for the same administration that orchestrates heaven to be our administration on this earth. The Christian longs for Christ to return to this earth, to seize the reins of government, and to rule with justice and judgment forever. The prophecy of Isaiah is going to be fulfilled. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. Listen to this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this and it is for this we pray, thy kingdom come. It takes a certain kind of people to live in the kingdom of God. That was the reason why Jesus did not set up his kingdom at his first coming. Men were not morally and spiritually prepared to live in that kingdom. And the church age was necessary to shape a society fitted for kingdom living. It has been said that democracy is dependent upon an educated and moral or religious citizenry. So you, you understand that the less internal government that people have, the stronger and harsher the civil government must be in order to keep order in society. A society without moral restraint must be ruled by a tyrant. And... <clears throat> You, you know that the Middle Eastern countries have a history of strongman rulers. These men kept order by brutal means. 
But in countries like Iraq and Libya, where the strong men were deposed, chaos ensued. Lawlessness characterized those societies. And the same situation is being played out in Latin America, where the gangs and the drug cartels terrorize society, and the central governments are too weak and too corrupt to stop the mayhem in those societies. I hate to admit it, but I believe that the United States of America is headed for a period of greater lawlessness. The reason is that we have removed the old landmarks and we become morally and spiritually unmoored. So we are drifting without a moral compass and those people at the wheel are piloting whichever way the political winds are blowing. One measure of our current character crisis in this country is the fact that we have the largest prison population of any country in the world. Our freedom in this country will not likely survive the abandonment of the Christian faith. Do you hear me? I said, our freedom in this country will not likely survive the abandonment of the Christian faith. And that is what we are seeing in this country right now. But if democracy only works for an educated and moral citizenry, the kingdom of God works only for those people whose hearts have been renewed by the Spirit of God and divinely changed to love God and to render joyful obedience to His commands. The Lord's Prayer can only be prayed by those who have accepted the government of God in their personal life. Thy kingdom come. This appeal is first of all a personal petition. Thy kingdom come to my heart and my life. The kingdom of God has come where Jesus, the King of kings, rules and reigns. Wherever Jesus rules, wherever Jesus reigns, the kingdom of God has come there. There are three things that manifest the presence of the kingdom of God in our life. Romans 14 and 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Every person who has surrendered to the rule and reign of Christ is going to experience these three things, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You understand that there is no salvation outside the kingdom of God. Jesus is not your Savior if He's not also your Lord. Jesus informed Nicodemus. He said to him, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This new birth is the door into the kingdom. Nicodemus thought that he was part of the kingdom by his birth into the nation of Israel, but Jesus let him know that it took a birth from above. Hallelujah. 
to enter into the kingdom of God, you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. When we pray thy kingdom come, we are praying not only for the manifestation of the kingdom in us, but also in the lives of our family members. When Jesus rules in a family, that home is part of the kingdom of God and it's characterized by righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Did you know this is the will of God for every family in this place? That your family be a part of the kingdom of God and that your family be characterized by righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hey, glory to God. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God. I tell you what, brother, there's great potential here in every family that surrenders to the Lordship of Jesus, your family will be a little heaven on earth. Hallelujah. Glory to God, you can get a little taste of heaven on earth when you surrender to Christ. And your family lives under the rule of Jesus and is part of the kingdom of God. And the same thing is true of any church. If that church is part of the kingdom of God, it will be marked by righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hey, y'all hearing me, aren't you? Worldliness and strife and carnality dominate in those assemblies that reject the headship of Christ. You understand that Jesus is the head of the church, that he's the Lord of the church, that he's the king of the church, that he rules in the house of God. And wherever Jesus rules, where there are people subject to Christ, there's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. There's life there, brother. There's life there. Praise God. When Prince of life is present and ruling and reigning, there's life there. The benefits of subjection to Christ are inestimable in our personal life, in our families, and in our churches. Everybody ought to want to be part of the kingdom of God. Oh, glory. Yeah. Praise God. The kingdom of God is to be our priority. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things that is the necessities of life shall be added to thee. God says in this passage that if you make his kingdom your priority, that he will take care of the lesser things in life. Don't make the lesser things the priority. Make the kingdom of God the priority. And God says, I'll take care of the lesser things in your life. We are kingdom builders. You hear me? We are kingdom builders. 
Our task on earth is to expand the reign of Jesus Christ. And we aim to bring as many as we can under the umbrella of the authority of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is our mission. Sinners resist the claims of Christ. But that don't keep us from promoting the kingdom of God. Years ago when I was a young Christian, just a teenager, driving down the road, hippie days, young hippie on the side of the road, hitchhiking, and I stop and pick him up because I want to witness to him about Jesus. And so I, I'm talking to him about Jesus and telling him how he needs to turn his life over to the Lord and let Jesus have control of his life and how the Lord will bless him. He sort of frowned up looked at me and said, that's exactly what I don't want. I don't want nobody telling me what to do with my life. The mindset of the world resists surrender to divine commands. Fallen man wants to make his own rules for the game of life. And he wants to write his own script for his time on the stage of life. He don't want God to write the rules. He don't want God to write the script for his time on the stage of life. But I'm telling you, brother, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to break a man, cause him to surrender to Christ. And this is the only surrender I know of that results in victory. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Yeah. This is the only surrender I know of that results in victory, brother. Jesus said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall save it. And you understand, brother, that our life is surrendered at an altar of repentance. But the result is not loss, it's gain. Hallelujah. We are not diminished by our surrender to Jesus. Our life is enhanced and it's enriched and it's enlarged and it's unending when we surrender our life to Jesus. I've dealt with the kingdom of God in the present, but I want to wind up dealing with the kingdom of God in the future. Ultimately, we are praying for the full flowering of the kingdom of God at the coming of Christ. Thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. There is this future fulfillment of this petition. And in praying this petition, we are signifying our faith in the return of Jesus and in his ultimate triumph. The Christian has not only the promise of heaven, but the promise of participating in a kingdom on the earth in which Jesus ruled without a rival. Isn't that what Brother Woods told us just a while ago? The, it, this outlook toward the future sets the Christian apart from the atheist, from the unbeliever, the, the, the Christian has an optimistic attitude toward the future, if not the immediate future, 
then surely the long range outlook, the Christian has an optimistic outlook. The atheist and the unbeliever in looking at the distant future can only see disaster and destruction. Bertrand Russell, a well-known atheist, affirmed that his life was built on the foundation of unyielding despair. And he issued a joint statement with Albert Einstein two days before Einstein's death in which both of them confessed this. Those of us who know the most are the gloomiest about the future. And Russell's idea about the future was expressed in terms of despair. All the labors of the ages, all the devotion, all the inspirations, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system. Only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. The foundation of unyielding despair. For the atheist, the universe that began with a big bang will finally burn out and extinguish all life and lifeless forces that produced us will finally destroy us along with the universe. There'll be nothing left of us or the universe. The atheist thinks, hey y'all, this is what the atheist thinks. He thinks the worst is yet to come. While the Christian thinks that the best is yet to come. <laughs> yeah, glory to God. Hey, we are confident that history is following a divine plan. Hey, it's not just casually without any guidance going through history. There's a hand on the wheel. There's a divine purpose in what's going on in this world. Jesus is coming back. There's going to be a new world order. Hallelujah. There's going to be a new world order in which Jesus is going to be the world ruler. And we are praying thy kingdom come. They talk about a world order, new world order, but they're not talking about the same new world order I'm talking about. This prayer is not consistent with a pluralistic attitude toward religion. Justification of any religion that does not recognize Jesus as king is a contradiction to this prayer. Our local newspaper reports every year on an interfaith forum that's held locally with participants from Islam and Judaism and Christianity. And every year the report suggested all were in agreement that there was no significant differences between these three faith communities. One year there was a man that brought up the claim of Christ in John 14, 6, where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh to the Father except by me. But the participants chose to ignore that statement. They didn't want to deal with that. When we pray, thy kingdom come. We are not praying for Muhammad to rule. We're not praying for Buddha to reign. We're not even praying for the Pope to have global dominion. We are praying for this earth to be ruled by the one true and living God through the return of his son, Jesus Christ. We are praying for the rule of Jesus to be set up on this earth. Now there are those that believe that the kingdom of God will gradually filter through the world as the, as the fruit of the evangelistic efforts of the church. They believe that the preaching of the gospel will eventually make possible the reign of Christ on the earth. But the Bible indicates that the government of God is going to be established by a violent overthrow of the kingdoms of this world. There's a stone cut out of the mountain. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. A stone cut out of the mountains without hands. And, and brother, that stone is going to shatter the kingdoms of this world and, and fill this earth. And it's the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, glory to God. The reign of Christ is going to begin with this violent overthrow of the Antichrist and all his allies. Speaking of that overthrow of the Antichrist, Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 9. says, And then shall that wicked, that lawless one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. The kingdom of God is going to come with power. Between now and then, y'all, the world is going to experience its worst days. The reign of Antichrist precedes the reign of Christ. Violence in nature and between nations, like it's going on right now in Ukraine. Violence between nations will only end when Jesus returns and takes control. But don't you ever forget that when conditions on earth are at their worst, they will soon be at their best. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Praise God. When it gets the worst... We're just about to the time of the best. Jesus will come back, brother. He's coming back to catch away his waiting bride. And after the apostle John had described the deadly and bloody years of the tribulation period, he ends the book of Revelation with a petition, even so come Lord Jesus. I believe this is the cry of God's people. In these last days, as trouble mounts in the world, we're crying with the Apostle John, even so, come Lord Jesus, thy kingdom come. 
This is the cry of the church of the ages. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And listen, their cry has not fallen on deaf ears. Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. What are we waiting on? I'll tell you what we're waiting on. Peter declared the Lord is not slack concerning his promise and as some men count slackness, and, but his long suffering to usward and not willing that any should perish, and, but that all should come to repentance. And brother, he's awaiting on souls to get right with God. Get ready for that kingdom. He wants us to get ready for the kingdom that's coming. Praise God. Hallelujah. I wonder tonight, is our hearts ready? Do we love his appearing? Do we serve him with gladness? Do we, is his commandments grievous to us? This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Hey, it shouldn't be a burden to live for Jesus. It shouldn't be a burden to keep his commandments should be the joy of our life to obey him. As Jesus said, he said, I delight to do thy will, O God. This expresses every sanctified heart. I delight to do thy will, O God. We already live in the kingdom, but we're headed for a greater expression of that kingdom, and we want to be ready for that day. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory, 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 glory. Praise God. Y'all, this Lord's prayer has transformed my praying. I pray this set a pattern for me, Brother Dolus. When I got to studying it, it, it set a pattern for me that I, every day, practically every day, I follow this pattern. Now, sometimes I don't get very far into it. Sometimes it's hard for me to get past that first one. Hallowed be thy name. Praise God. Woo! I want to glorify you, Lord. I want to honor you, Lord. I want to sanctify your name. You're great. You're glorious. You're wonderful. Praise God. Takes me a while to get beyond that sometimes. Then I get to this one. Thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, I want your kingdom to be manifested in my life. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I want that kingdom to be seen in my life. I want that kingdom to be manifested in my home. I want my home to be a place of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I want my children to live in that kingdom. I want their families to be part of that kingdom. I want my children and my grandchildren to be part of that kingdom and know what it is to live in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 